0: Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha, where we're all about helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. We hope this message impacts your life, and be sure to like and subscribe for more.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? For those of you that, that were paying attention and and were wondering, yes, Christmas Eve is Friday the 24th. And so our Christmas... I know the some of you are like, what's he even talking about? That just shows me that nobody listens to the buzz because Pastor Renee said that the Christmas Eve service was Friday, December 23rd. But we all know that Christmas Eve is not the 23rd. It's what day? 24th. So if you're wondering, the Christmas Eve service is Friday. It is the 24th. It is at 530 if you were planning on being here. If not, you should plan on being here. It's going to be fun. It's a family service. The, the kids will be in here with us. We'll have a, uh, a candlelit portion of that as well. So make sure you plan on joining us. Also, when you came in, uh, the the ushers at the doors were handing out uh, cards for Christmas. Um, this is from Angel to you guys. I had no part in this. and so if if you wanted a Christmas card, that's where they were. If you already took it and threw it in the trash, that's fine. Like I'm not going to go through the trash to see. Who threw it away? I will probably will have the ushers check your seats after service to see who left it on your way out. I'm just kidding. Whatever you want to do with it, if you want to take it home, put it on your wall, use it to throw darts at, you can do that. I don't, I mean, it's, it's for you. And so, so whatever you want to do, but just wanted to say Merry Christmas. It's good to, to be with you today. We're starting a new series as Christmas is here, getting into the Christmas season. Does everybody have their decorations up? Who does not? Where's all the hum? Okay, all the the Scrooges here that don't have decorations up. Who had your decorations up pre-Thanksgiving? Okay, you jumped the gun a little bit, but that's oh, that's okay. Um, I've, there's like this fine line in Nebraska. When do we put them up? When is too late? Because because if you put it up before Thanksgiving, you get the ridicule from those of us who think that. One holiday should come after the next holiday, and you can't celebrate one until you've already had the last. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. But then in Nebraska, you always run the risk of it maybe too cold to put decorations up. And so hopefully, your your decorations are up. You're getting into the Christmas spirit. But as we we begin talking about Christmas and, and celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, um, I, I put out on Facebook, I asked a question on social media last night, what are your favorite family Christmas traditions? And, and was kind of surprised. There were some that were, were expected, you know, the whole drink hot chocolate, drive around, look at Christmas lights. How many of you guys do that? Drive around looking at Christmas lights. Okay, there's a lot of us that do. Um, baking cookies. Does anybody bake Christmas cookies every year? That's a tradition. Uh, everybody getting the same pajamas, any weirdos in here? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Listen, if, if that's your tradition, that's your tradition. I remember one year we tried it, not because it was my idea, but at, at, I did everything I could to get out of it. But Angel's sister wanted everybody to have these red and white pajamas, and we were all going to take a giant a red and black. We're going to take a family. She's over here trying to correct me. Listen, you just <laughs> calm down. Let me preach today. We're all going to take this family picture wearing these, these matching pajamas, so it looked like a hundred candy canes out in the front yard trying to take this picture. Um, so we don't do the pajamas anymore. We tried it one year, and we're like, you know what, this isn't for our family. And so we don't do that anymore. Uh, but, but what I learned is there's a lot of people baking birthday cakes for Jesus. Anybody bake, like... There's a lot of people who, who on, on Facebook said, we bake a cake and we sing happy birthday to Jesus and all of that. And it's like, man, if you need somebody to help celebrate that, invite me over because I'll come and sing a song to Jesus and have a piece of cake while I'm at it. Because I, I, didn't, I didn't know that that was a thing, but apparently it is. Um, but as I was thinking about Christmas and thinking about traditions that we had and, and Christmas as, as a kid growing up, I can't think about Christmas without thinking about my grandpa and and no matter what happens and and no matter what story we're telling we will always we will always go back to to talking about grandpa's christmas messages because on christmas eve we would always gather at my grandparents' house and and grandpa would pull out his bible that was like 6 inches thick and he would he would open it and and post-its would fall out, and there were bookmarks, and there was highlights, and there were scribbles, and there were notes that were written in the margins. But he would would open up this Bible, and he would retell the Christmas story. And for the next 20 minutes, we would sit there listening to the Christmas story, because for him to tell the Christmas story, it wasn't just, let's read Luke chapter 2, but we would start in Deuteronomy. We would, we would go all the way back to the old covenant and how that at the first Passover, the, the blood that was on the doorpost and the angel passed over them, that that was symbolic of the lamb's blood one day that was going to come. And then we would stop in Isaiah and read all the prophecies about the coming Messiah. And then we would finally get to the New Testament and Jesus's birth. But it would be this 20 minute sermon. And at the end of which he would give an altar call just to make sure that my uncle was saved every year. <laughs> Because we didn't really know, but like at least if I give an altar call during Christmas, I'll know that at least if Jesus comes back on his birthday, then we'll be good. And so, so that, was, that was like Christmas growing up. And, and recently I asked my mom if she had any old Christmas videos. And so she, she came into my office one day with a bag full of VHS tapes. Anybody remember VHS tapes? This was like back in the day where you had the, the camcorder that you would take, it would require like two people to walk around the house recording what was going on, and uh, and so I asked Pastor Andre, and Pastor Andre has a VHS to digital converter, yep. and so I was like, well, let me borrow that, and I can convert all these old videos to digital. And so I I brought it home and was in my basement, I had my computer and wires into a VCR. And then, and then VHS tapes in there playing from there to my computer. And my oldest son, who's 15, comes downstairs. He goes, Dad, what is that prehistoric box on the table? I said, well, that's a VCR. He said, what is a VCR? And then he looked at the bag on the floor, and there was these VHS And he goes, and what are those? He said, those are our VHS tapes, and that's what we would record stuff on. And and he says, well, I don't understand. And he just like sat down. And then a couple minutes later, Isaiah, who's our second, he's 14, he came downstairs and he said the same thing. He says, dad, what are those? And my oldest, who had already had this conversation, he looked at his brother and says, those are the ancient Jedi texts. (laughs) And I was like, listen here, you little smart aleck, like I will hurt you. And, And so Jay says, Jay says, those are the ancient Jedi texts. And Isaiah looked at me, and without skipping a beat, he looked at me and says, Dad, does Yoda know you took those? So I was going through the ancient Jedi text, and I came across this video of us on Christmas as Grandpa is giving his Christmas sermon. And just to give you guys a taste of what Christmas in 1995 looked like for us, and and I want you to notice a couple of things in this video. Number one, it'll start on me, of course, but it'll start on me... Uh, notice the bowl cut that my mom gave me that year for Christmas. Number two, when it gets to my dad, you can't really see it, but there is a permed mullet behind there. You just can't—you just can't quite see it. Um, but but I also want you to notice how engaged everybody is into the the Christmas message. Go ahead and play that video, guys.
0: Where the Christ should be born, they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people, Israel. Then Herod, when he had. That's my mom's called, grandma he there. inquired of them diligently what time of the year the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And she's done. And when you have found him, bring me, bring me word again that I may come. That's my mom. Also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh.
1: And we'll stop it right there because it continues for another 20 minutes and just I wanted to to save you from the full extent. And I know more of us wanted to see more of the mullet. We didn't get, we didn't get a, a really good look, but you can use your imagination with that. But this was Christmas every year. We would get together. Grandpa would retell the Christmas story. He would retell the, the prophecies from the Old Testament. So kind of as a tribute to, to my grandpa this year, for Christmas, I want us to retell the Christmas story. I want us to, to go back and look at some of, maybe, maybe some of the stories that we've overlooked in years past. Maybe some of those that don't get as much as much maybe recognition during this time. And, uh, and so that's what I want us to do. Matthew chapter 1 is where we are going to be today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to begin reading in verse 18. If you don't, that's okay. The verses will be on the screens and you can follow along that way. But here's what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 it says that this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, "'Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus.' For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Let's pray for our time together this morning. God, we thank you. We love you. We thank you for your word today. I pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, that you would speak to each and every one of us, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us. God, whatever whatever we need you to do in our hearts and our lives today, we give you permission to do exactly that. Be with us today as we celebrate, as we, as we remember the the, the the birth of our Lord and Savior. Jesus, thank you that you stepped out of eternity and you Put on human form. You took upon yourself the form of a servant, even as the scripture said, to save your people from their sins. We thank you that you are still doing that today, that when we call upon you, there is mercy and there is grace and there is forgiveness to be found in you and through you. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 This morning, I want us to, to look at the story of Joseph. It's, it's an often overlooked story. Sometimes he's the, the, the kind of the one who's just kind of there. He's the one in the corner. He's the one that you don't really hear from. In fact, in, in all of Scripture, we are never given anything, any direct quote that is attributed to, to Joseph. We're never said, Joseph said, quote, this. He's just, he's just there. And and I think that that's a shame. I think that there's a lot that we can learn from Joseph because if you, if you just kind of remove yourself and, and try and, and empathize with Joseph, with where Joseph is, here he is a, a young man. He's probably 17 to 18 years old at this point. We're not given his exact age, but it was customary for young men to marry around that age, 18, 19 years old. Mary was probably 14, 15, maybe 16 years old, and they've been, they've been arranged to be, to be married. They're engaged at this point, which for us, we think of engagement, but they thought of it differently. Essentially, they were married at this point. They just hadn't consummated the marriage because what would happen is these, these two people would agree to be married They would be engaged and the the groom would go back to his father's house. He would take some time. He would build a room onto his father's house so that after the marriage party, he could bring his bride back and they could live there together. And and it's a picture. That's why Jesus says in my father's house, there are many rooms because we as the bride of Christ will be there with him one day. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. So it was that whole marriage picture. And so, so they're engaged to be married, but in everybody else's eyes, they already were. They were already already married. Here he is a descendant of King David. And so he probably had a claim to to the throne of Israel as an heir to that. Yet here he is living under Roman oppression. and, And he's engaged to be to be married. He's looking forward to that. He's working towards that. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, his bride comes to him and says, Um, honey, I'm pregnant. And he knows that he hasn't been with her. And so his response is, what do you mean you're pregnant? Whose baby, whose baby is this? Because I know this baby's not my baby. So whose baby is this? And her response is, it's God's. Now imagine if you would, fellas, your fiance or your wife coming to you, telling you she is pregnant with God's child. How ridiculous would that sound? Like, get out of here! And like, tell me the truth. What, what, what's really going going on here? This is the situation that. He finds himself in. he has his whole life ahead of him. He's about to, to embark on this, on this journey of marriage with his wife. He's got this carpentry business that he's trying to get off the ground. He's got so much to look forward to. And then all of a sudden, this wrench is thrown into all of his plans when Mary comes to him and says, Joseph, I'm pregnant. See, we see Joseph in this position, in a situation where things don't go as he had hoped things don't go as he had planned. I can promise you Joseph did not plan and hope that it would go this way. I can promise you he didn't expect it to go this way. But as we look at Joseph's life, my question is, is what do we do? How do we respond when things don't go our way? How do we respond when when we get the report from the doctor? How do we respond when the doctor calls us to tell us what the scan showed? How do we respond when When our boss calls us into their office, how do we respond when fill in the blank? When you have your own ideas of of how you want it to go and what you think it should look like and it it doesn't quite look like that, not only does it not look like that, but it's the exact opposite of what you had hoped, how do we respond in in those moments? And I think if we look at Joseph's life, I think there's three things that we can learn from Joseph today, three things that he did three attributes and characteristics that Joseph displayed that it would be good for us to all take note of and try and emulate Joseph in these ways. The first thing that I see in Joseph's life is that Joseph was selfless. He was selfless. He was, he was humble. He wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about Mary. If you go back to verse 19, it tells us that because Joseph, Bible says, was a righteous man. And when he learned that Mary was pregnant, he didn't want to disgrace her publicly, So he decided to break the engagement quietly. See, Mary comes to him and says, Joseph, I'm pregnant and I know that it's not yours. So immediately in Joseph's mind, you've committed adultery. You've cheated on me. You've been unfaithful. You've been with another man and now you are pregnant with his child. The only response for me is to divorce you. And I can do it publicly or I can do it quietly. If I do it publicly, according to the law of Moses, you're probably going to be stoned, Mary, because that was the punishment for adultery in that day. If we don't stone you for adultery, then we could stone you for blasphemy because you're running around telling everybody that God got you pregnant. And that's just blasphemous. So one of two ways you're going to be stoned, but he doesn't do that. Notice it says that he's, he's a righteous man, and because he didn't want to disgrace her publicly, he decides to end things quietly. How does Joseph handle this announcement? He handles the news honorably. Now, why does he do that? Does he, does he not want to disgrace her because he loved her? Is that, is that what it is? Maybe. But you have to understand that in those days, marriage had very little to do with love. It had little to do with mutual affection. This would have been an arranged marriage where Mary's parents and Joseph's parents said, hey, you guys are getting married, whether you like it or not. So was it that he had some deep feelings and affection towards Mary? Possibly, but not likely. Was it because their families were close and he didn't want dishonor, not just to fall on Mary, but also he didn't want dishonor to fall on her family? Possibly. I think, I think what we really need to understand is if we go back and look at that scripture, the Bible says that that Joseph was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. The King James Version says that he was a just man and that word just in the original language means one who does what is right towards God and towards men. So it wasn't that he loved Mary. It wasn't that he wanted to protect Mary. It wasn't that he wanted to, to protect her family, but it's that he wanted to do what was right before God and before her. Now, he could, have, he could have stood up and he, he could have demanded justice. I had a plan and, and you, you broke the agreement. You were, you were unfaithful. Now you're pregnant. And, and according to the law, justice would be to divorce you and have you pay the punishment for that. He would have been justifiable in doing so, in pursuing justice that way. But he was a just man. And sometimes we need to understand that just because something is justifiable doesn't mean that it is just. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. It might be justifiable to cut that person out of your life, but is that the right thing to do? It might be justifiable to withhold forgiveness from that individual, but is that the right thing to do. You could be justified in your emotions, in your responses, in your reactions to what's going on around you. But we, as we, we look at Joseph's life, we need to ask not, not just, is this justifiable how I'm feeling, but God, is this how you want me to respond? Is this the right way for me to respond in this situation and in this circumstance? He, he's a just man, he do, does what is, is honorable he's selfless. It's not about him. Notice he he never once says, I I need to protect myself. I need to protect my family. I need to protect the dishonor that's going to come on me. No, who is he trying to protect? He's trying to to protect Mary in this. His attitude is very selfless in that. And not only only is Joseph selfless in the Christmas story, but we see this attitude in Christ as well. The fact that he chose to step out of eternity and come to this earth. Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't think equality with God as something to be held on to. So what does he do? He takes upon himself the form of a servant, putting on human likeness and being born as a human being. He humbled himself in this way. Why? Because Joseph was selfless in thinking of Mary. Jesus was selfless in thinking of you. Joseph was wanting to cover Mary. Jesus came to cover you. Joseph was wanting to protect this relationship. Jesus was wanting to engage in this relationship. As we think about Joseph, as we think about Christmas, as we think about our response to to those unexpected things that happen all around us each and every day, we, we need to ask, how do you want me to respond? May we respond as Joseph did, selflessly, in humility, Not looking to build ourselves up, but but humbling ourselves and seeking to elevate those around us. May we be selfless as Christ was selfless. Looking not to be served, but asking the question, God, who would you like me to serve during this time of the year. Not, not walking in a store to be seen, but walking in saying, Holy Spirit, would you help me to see what you want me to see? Not, not trying to bring the attention on, our, on, our, on ourselves, but instead giving our attention to God and saying, God, would you direct me in this moment? May we be selfless during this time. The second thing that I see in Joseph's life is that Joseph was patient. How many of you struggle with patience? Okay, those of you that didn't, raise your hand, I know you're lying. But look at, look at what the scripture says. The very next verse, verse 20, says that as Joseph considered this, as he, as he considered these things, as, as Mary has come to him and said, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Joseph takes a moment to, <laughs> let, me, let me just think about this. Let me consider this. I love the message translation. If you, if you read the message translation, but the message translation says that while he was trying to find a way out, While Joseph, you ever tried to find a way out? You ever been in a situation? It's like, man, I got to get myself out of this one. That's where Joseph finds himself as he's considering these things, as he's as he's thinking about these things, as he's looking at all of the the possible outcomes and scenarios and situations. An angel of the Lord comes to him in a dream as he's considering. Now, why is that important? Because notice it doesn't say that Joseph responded emotionally. He didn't, he didn't act irrationally. Joseph very easily could have been told this and in a moment and in a fit of rage said, you know what, that's it, it's over, I'm done. I don't care what you have to say, I'm cutting it off. But he doesn't, what does he do? He takes time to think about it. He, he considers, he doesn't fly off the handle. He doesn't make an emotional decision. He, he shows really emotional intelligence recognizing this emotion, but rather than allowing his emotions to dictate his response, he says, no, let me, let me pause to consider this. How many of you ever made an emotional decision? You ever driven onto a car lot and seen that car with that color and those options, and it's like, I got to have it? Maybe you, maybe you left a job or you took a job emotionally Maybe something happened and your boss called you in and that conversation didn't go the way you wanted. So you just said, I'm done. I'm out of here. Maybe you, you started a relationship or you ended a relationship based on an emotional decision. Joseph doesn't respond emotionally, but he responds with patience. He takes time to consider it. And it's, it's difficult. It's hard. And I, I understand that it's hard because patience is, is one of the things that I struggle with the most. In fact, I've stopped, I've stopped praying to God to give me patience. I've stopped asking for patience. Because you know what happens when you pray for patience, it's not like God just gives you patience. He gives you four kids and opportunities to be patient. So I'm not even praying for patience anymore. I'm just like, let the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, let all of the fruit be in me and, and shown through me. But I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't pray for patience anymore. It's one of those things. What is patience? I, I looked up patience because I wanted, I wanted to have a clear idea and understanding. So I looked up Merriam-Webster. And Merriam-Webster Dictionary's definition of patience is this, to be able to remain calm and not become annoyed. <laughs> That's where I lost it. To be able to remain calm and not become annoyed when waiting for a long time or when dealing with problems or when dealing with difficult people. Anybody have problems not being annoyed when dealing with difficult people? You need patience. Anybody have problems not being frustrated when waiting for a long time? You need patience. Listen, we're Americans. We all struggle with being impatient. Because if we sit in the drive-through line longer than 60 seconds, we start honking the horn and it's like, what in the world is going on? We put our food in the microwave and going into this process, we thought, you know what? 90 seconds seems about right time to, to heat up my pizza. And as we stand there at the microwave and it's counting down from 90 to zero, it gets to three seconds left and we're like, you know what? That should be good. You couldn't even wait another three seconds. You know what I'm talking about too, right? Like you put it in there and you had this idea a minute and a half should be good and it gets to 1 minute 28 seconds like now we're good. And you just leave 2 seconds on the clock. We're we're impatient. We we don't like waiting for things. We we get annoyed very very easily, and, and I'm, I'm there. I looked up another dictionary and another definition, and this was kind of the King James version of the, d- the definition, but here's what it says. Patience is bearing provocation, I'm like, oh, <laughs> Bearing provocation, annoyance, misfortune, delay, hardship, and pain, etc., with fortitude and calm and without complaint, anger, or the like. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know what any of that means. <laughs> Bearing provocation, annoyance, misfortune, delay, hardship, pain, etc., with fortitude and calm, without complaint, anger, or the like. I suck at patience. Like I get annoyed easily. And I know it's something that God is working on me, and it's it's something that is difficult for me. Listen, I was a basketball game yesterday. I told you a couple of weeks ago that, that I'm coaching my kids' basketball team at the YMCA. It's not like some AAU all-star team. Like, it's a YMCA league. You pay $5 and you get a t-shirt. Like, that's the league that we're in. And so I'm coaching my kids' basketball, and we, we had a game yesterday. And there was a point in this game where, where we were down by like 20 points. It was one of those games. We're down by 20 points. But the rule says that if you're down by 20 points, the other team can't press anymore and they have to get back on defense. They have to give us a chance to get the ball across. And so so at one point in the game, we had gotten a rebound. They They were up by the margin needed. We got the rebound. We were going up the court and one of their players is still pressing and there was a turnover and he took the ball from our kid. And in frustration... I said, he can't press. They're up by 20. And the ref blew his whistle. And he turned to me and he said, coach, that's enough. <laughs> Bearing provocation, annoyance, misfortune, hardship, pain, etc., with calm and without complaint, anger, or the like. I didn't do that. He says, coach, that's enough. And in my head, I was like, there was nothing before this. Like, like there has to be something before this to get to enough, right? Like, we didn't even warm up to this point. So that's enough. And I I looked at him, I said, well, who do you want me to ask my question to? He says, ah. I said, I just have a, ah. I have a question. Can I ask a question? He said, "Coach, one more word." And your pastor looks at this referee. <laughs> and I said, "Who do you want me to ask?" Beep, technical foul on the coach. I was like, you gave me a technical, like, this is the YMCA. I didn't even know we gave out technical fouls. What in the world? Merry Christmas to you too. Like, what is happening here? But I recognize, listen, patience is one of those things in my life. I recognize that annoyance and provocation, when I get provoked and I'm frustrated and I'm annoyed, responding with composure and with calm. I wish I could say that when the referee looked at your pastor, your pastor sat down and considered these things. (laughs) As Joseph, as Joseph considered all the angel had told him, your pastor considered all the referee had said. Didn't happen. I responded in provocation. I was I was frustrated and I was annoyed, but as I look at Joseph, it would have been so easy for him to be frustrated and annoyed. Like, what are you talking about, Mary? I'm done. This is ridiculous. Who do you take me for? I'm not, I'm not some fool that you can just walk over. God's child? You're crazy. And I'm out of here. And he could have responded. And again, been justifiable in doing so. But what is justifiable is not just. And he responds with grace and with patience and slows down and considers these things. What's interesting is that as he slows down and considers these things, it's that evening that an angel comes to him in a dream. Had Joseph responded emotionally and made a rash decision, he never would have been given the revelation of God's plan and design in the midst of all of that. Sometimes I think we miss out on revelation from God because we don't wait patiently, but we respond emotionally. And we never give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to come and speak truth and reveal truth to us in those circumstances. And so we just, we just fly off the handle and we act emotionally and the Holy Spirit's like, no, if you would just wait and allow me to, to lead you in this, there is more that you would see and more you would understand. You just have to be patient. I right? heard someone once say that your patience plus the Holy Spirit equals God's divine revelation. If we would be patient and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal truth, we would be able to see things that maybe we wouldn't have seen otherwise. So Joseph was selfless. Joseph was, he was patient. We all need to work on that. The third thing that we see in Joseph's life is that Joseph is obedient. He's obedient. What does he do? He, he wakes up from this dream. He has this encounter with this angel. It says that when Joseph woke up, it doesn't say that he, he consulted a lawyer When Joseph woke up, he called his best friend, Tom, who went through something similar. When Joseph woke up, he posted on Facebook and and Instagram and asked his friends, what do you guys think I should do? When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. When Joseph woke up, he said, okay, I'll do it. Joseph responds in obedience. The angel comes to, to Joseph and says, Joe, it's going to be okay. Take Mary as your wife, the kid she's, she's having. Listen, truthfully, it's through the Holy Spirit. I know it sounds crazy. It's never happened before, but it's to fulfill the prophecies from long ago. It's going to be okay. Not only is it going to be okay, but this baby that she's going to give birth to is going to save all of mankind. And so Joseph, it's okay. Joseph wakes up and the Bible says he, he takes her as his bride. What does Joseph get for his obedience? I think sometimes when we are are given a, a directive from God, I think when God comes to us and says, hey, I want you to go this way. I want you to do this. I want you to extend that. I want you to be in relationship with this person. I want you to extend grace. I want you to, whatever the case may be, step out in faith here. I think sometimes when we are faced with a decision to be obedient or not, there can be in the back of our minds, this question of, well, what do I get out of it? Like, okay, you want me to be obedient, but what, what is that going to do for me? How are, how are you going to elevate me? What, what platform is this going to give me? What influence is this going to give me? What do I get out of this process? Notice Joseph didn't ask any of that. Doesn't ask any of that because it was never about Joseph. In fact, Joseph <laughs> We're never given a a quote from him. We're never given Joseph dadisms. We're not given a quote from Joseph to Jesus. Even when, when Jesus stays behind in Jerusalem at 12 years old and they're looking for him for three days, can't find him, finally they found him. You better believe there were things that Joseph said to Jesus. Like if my kid was missing for three days and it was his, like you better believe there would be things that I would say to him, we don't get any of that. We don't get Joseph ever asking Jesus, were you born in a barn? Because Jesus probably would have said, yes, I was. (laughs) A little Christmas humor for you. We don't don't get any of that. What does Joseph get for his obedience? You know what he gets? He gets a a seven-day trip on a donkey with a wife who is nine months pregnant. God, you want me to be obedient? I'll be obedient. Awesome. There's the census coming up. So you're going to have to take your donkey and ride for seven days. Imagine, fellas, Imagine you have to ride from Omaha to Denver on a donkey. Now imagine you have to take your wife with you. I haven't even got to the good part yet. Imagine your wife is nine months pregnant. Have you ever traveled by donkey with a woman who is nine months pregnant? None of us. Have you ever traveled with a woman who is nine months pregnant? Anyway, it's miserable, it's not easy can't get comfortable. Nothing is right. All the smells. Hello. You know what I'm talking about. Like everything is heightened in that moment. And here she is on a donkey riding for seven days. And Joseph is like, okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, then this is what I'll do. He had big plans for his carpentry business. We're not even told if he was successful in that. Okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, this is what I'll do. We're not even told how Joseph died. Just the fact that at Jesus' crucifixion, he had already died. He wasn't, he wasn't there. So, so probably before the age of 50, this man who raised the Messiah passes away and there's not even a mention of it in scripture. How do you know he was dead? Because Jesus on the cross looked at the disciple who he loved, which was John and said, take care of my mother. If Joseph was alive, she wouldn't have needed somebody to take care of her. So Joseph was out of the picture. We don't even know when or how, sometime between the age of 12 to 33 in Jesus's life, Joseph passed away. His obedience didn't get his name in lights, but one act of obedience changed the course of human history. One act of obedience in Joseph's life changed the direction and trajectory of his life forever. And it can be the same for you. One act of obedience can change the trajectory of your life. One act of obedience can take you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Now, I have to be honest with you. Obedience is not easy. Obedience is not not comfortable because oftentimes obedience to God's word will lead you to a place of discomfort. Discomfort. You think Joseph was comfortable? You think Mary was comfortable? You think anybody was comfortable in the barn that night? You think the animals were comfortable? Nobody was comfortable. It will often inconvenience you it will throw wrenches into the plans that you have made. There are people who will tell you that if you follow Jesus, then it's nothing but, 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 but lily fields and raises and bonuses and healings and health and this and that. Listen, those people lied to you and I'm sorry. Because as I read scripture, I see people who in their obedience follow Jesus even unto death and oftentimes brutal death. I don't see that in scripture anywhere. I see people who are suffering for the cause of Christ. So sometimes obedience, yes, it's hard. And yes, it's difficult. And yes, it's uncomfortable. And yes, it's inconvenient. But let me tell you this, it is the most rewarding thing that you could ever do. Your rewards could be here in this life, but even if not, they're in the next life. And even if you don't get rewarded physically in this life, there is no greater reward than the peace in your heart that comes from knowing you are right in the middle of God's will for you. I've ran, I've looked, I've searched, I've had everything the world has to offer and it's left me wanting. And it wasn't until I, I surrendered to God and said, okay, God, I will be obedient to your word and to your will. That is when peace flooded my heart and flooded my mind. There is nothing like it. Obedience is not easy, but it is rewarding. Psalm tells us, tells us this. Go and put that last scripture up there. It says that the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. A great reward for those who live lives of obedience to God's word. See, as we look at Joseph, it would be easy to read the scripture. Yeah, we know he's there. We see the nativity scenes. Yes, we, we, we see him there. But it would be very easy to read the story of Christmas and overlook this man who played such a vital part in the early life of our Messiah. We look and we, we study it. And though we're not given any words directly attributed to him, there is still so much that we can learn from him. When things don't go our way, when things don't work out the way we anticipated or the way we expected or the way that we had hoped, and we we get bad news and bad reports and difficulties and annoyances and frustrations, how do we respond? May we respond like Joseph did, with humility, not seeking to elevate ourselves, but to serve those around us. May we respond with patience, taking time to to consider and taking time to ask God, God, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to show me? What are you wanting to do in me and through me? May we be patient in all things. And at the end of it all, may we be obedient. And when God says to go, we would go. When he says to stop, we would stop. When he says make that phone call, we would make that phone call. When he says give, we would give whatever Whatever leading and prompting he gives, may we be obedient to that this season. Amen. amen, amen. stand with me this morning. And this morning as we, as we prayed, I love Christmas and I love, I love this season. I love celebrating and remembering the birth of, of our Savior. I love hanging out with friends, I love hanging out with family as I was going through our old Christmas videos. There was, there was this one part of this video where I opened this present and it was one of the best presents I had ever received. It was a San Francisco 49ers pullover starter jacket. You guys that grew up in the 90s, you remember the starter jackets. Absolutely. This 49ers starter jacket and I remember when I, when I opened it up and I ripped open the packaging, I, I put it on and the smile that was on my face and I, I said, dad, look at what look at what I got. Mom, look at what I got. And I ran over to my grandma and I gave her a hug. And as you watch videos and you, you think about times like that, you remember those times with families, the, the feelings and the emotions that, that come up. Because you remember opening those gifts. You remember, you remember the look on your kid's face. I was watching that and and as grateful as I was for, for that gift that I was able to put on, how much more thankful should we be that this Christmas season, because, because Joseph said yes, because Mary said yes because, said yes, because Jesus said yes, because Jesus said yes, even unto the point of the cross, how much more thankful can And should we be that we get to put on this new nature? That we get to dress ourselves not in some starter jacket, but we get to dress ourselves in new life. Now, the promise is that if we would accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, that there is a new nature that we put on, and the old is passed away, and all things through Him are made new. Today, it would be a disservice to you to just pray and to dismiss and not pause to as Joseph did, consider these things. To not give you an opportunity to respond with a yes, as Joseph did. This morning, if you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never prayed a prayer of repentance, I want to to give you the opportunity to do that today. But if you're here today and you're like, you know what? I've been saved for 30 years. I've been saved for whatever the course of the, the, the time is. I want to give you an opportunity today, and I want you to use this opportunity as a a chance to recommit yourself, to kind of put a, a flag in the ground. And like Joseph said, from this day forward, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yes, I accepted Christ long ago, but today I recommit my life to him. Regardless of where you find yourself, I want to give you an opportunity to call upon the Lord today. So if you would just bow your head and close your eyes, I'm going to lead you in a prayer just ask that you would pray this, pray this with me. Just say, Jesus, thank you so much that you gave up your life so that I could find new life in you. Jesus, thank you for saying yes to coming to this earth, to living a perfect life, to shedding perfect blood so that I could be made new in you. And today I confess I've made mistakes I've done things and I've said things. Would you forgive me of that? Would you wash me and would you cleanse me? Would you lead me in your ways from this day forward that I would live a life of selflessness, of patience and obedience unto you? Help me to be a light to those around me as I live for you in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you today, God. I thank you for those prayed that prayer first time, hundredth time, whether they accepted you as their Savior for the first time today or they're rededicating their lives to you, God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to do so. We thank you that 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 is the reason for this season. As we, as we take the next few weeks and celebrate your birth and re- remember your birth, we thank you that you stepped out of eternity into time. You took on the form of mankind, of human likeness, living and walking on this earth as a sacrifice, as a ransom for many. God, it should have been us, but you took our place. We thank you for that today. God, as we go this week, I pray that you would give us opportunities. (laughs) Opportunities to be selfless. Opportunities to serve others. Opportunities to to elevate them. And give us opportunities to be patient in frustration and provocation and in delay and waiting and bad news. God, when things don't happen the way that we want, may we, like Joseph, take time to consider Help us not to react and respond emotionally, but recognize that our patience plus the Holy Spirit will lead us into into your wisdom. God, help us to respond with obedience, saying yes to you in all things. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, our prayer team is down here. We'd love to be able to celebrate with you. If there's a need that you have in your life, you want somebody to agree with you in that, We would love to minister to you in that way. If not, be dismissed, be blessed. We'll see you guys next week. Merry Christmas. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes.
0: And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.